Hi there, and welcome to our new episode of Beyond the Payment, a podcast in which I'll dive in and explore topical subject matter as it relates to technology and payments, alongside other Athenapay and outside experts. Beyond the Payment is brought to you by American Express. My name is Keely Leonard. Welcome to episode one, season two, where I sit down and chat with Drew Armstrong, CEO of Afinapay, and Karen Dueck, CEO of Bots. This conversation focuses on women in leadership, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Beyond the Payment is brought to you by our podcast sponsor, American Express. American Express merchants get free and discounted benefits to help manage your business. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash business-solutions. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Payment, an Affinipay podcast brought to you by American Express. My name is Keely Leonard. I'm the social media and PR manager here at Affinipay. Um, but prior to my time at Affinipay, I actually was an in-event host, uh, an MC for University of Texas football and X Games. So while my background comes from me asking people to do the chicken dance uh, on screen in the middle of football games and events, I won't be asking any of those questions today. I've got two incredible guests joining me. I've got Drew Armstrong, the CEO of Affinapay, and Karen Dueck, the CEO of Bots. Both of them are female founders working in tech, now legal tech. So Karen and Drew, welcome to Beyond the Payment. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thanks, Keely. Karen, it's great to meet you. Great Super to excited to be chatting with you today. We're going to have a great episode today. I'm so excited uh, to have both of you. So I'd like to start, if you don't mind, with um, Karen, if you don't mind explaining what you currently do. And also, uh, just for the listeners unfamiliar, what you like to do most outside of the business that you're running. Okay, sure. <laughs> Thanks again for having me. I'm really excited to be on. Um, I'm Karen Dueck, and I'm founder and CEO of Bots, which is an AI company that's focused on custom integrated chatbots. Um, and when I'm not working, I'm mostly, I would say, getting into shenanigans with my two little guys. <laughs> They're 12, almost 12 and almost eight, and it's really fun ages. And uh, they're interests vary from sports to settlers of Catan to origami and sushi and fast cars. So I, it definitely keeps me busy and it's a lot of fun. That's amazing. So happy to have you, Karen. And (laughs) Drew, if you don't mind, just for our listeners telling us a little bit about what you do and what you like to do when you're not out running a company. Um, so I am the CEO of Affinapay. Um, I spend all my time working with our team to think of new ways to service our clients um, and talking with our, our partners like Karen, who I'm so excited could join us on the show today. Um, and then on the weekends, similar to Karen, I have two little guys um, who are the, the boss of me. Um, they are seven <laughs> and four. So we do sports, we do sushi, we do video games. Um, so they, uh, they keep me busy and, uh, not young, tired. They keep me tired. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Um, so Drew, we'll stick with you for this question. Then we'll go back over to Karen, but I would like to know more how you got started on your entrepreneurial journey. I know it's been kind of a journey to get here, uh, at Affinapay. So just a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm not the founder of Affinapay, obviously. I am the successor to Amy Porter, another amazing female founder. Um, and just her story is really inspiring. Um, but early on in my career, I had been working in um, 
in investing and in management consulting, and I got really bored with living behind a spreadsheet and a PowerPoint. Um, and I ended up doing a um, founding a company that was all around a smart, innovative baby technology for parents. Um, I was newly pregnant with my first child, and I knew that there was so much anxiety um, that new parents faced, especially in the early years of their children's lives. So we were working on a smart baby monitor. Um, I ended up uh, kind of transitioning back into a more traditional tech role, but I feel like, um, you know, there's just so many phenomenals, phenomenal lessons learned, um, even from doing a failed startup. I think that's a badge of honor and total street cred um, in the in the tech world, especially when I was living in San Francisco. And I just definitely look back on those days and think, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing kind of more, um, formative than really trying to listen to, to people and understand their pain points, really thinking about how technology could solve them. And then trying to articulate that, um, articulate an idea that doesn't even exist, um, and get people to buy into that, um, whether they're investors or clients. So, I learned so much by being a fem- by being a founder, especially being a female founder, um, and uh, and so I have huge respect for for people that are true innovators in in the tech space. That's awesome to hear. Now, Karen, same question for you. Um, I know you've had a kind of a fun journey to get to starting <laughs> bots, so I'd love to hear more about your entrepreneurial journey too. Yeah, for sure. It was, I would say, definitely a little bit of a circuitous route. (laughs) I actually started as a recruiter primarily. um, So I had about 10 years of recruiting before bots. And I love that. It was a lot of fun and um, really got to work on everything from, you know, help desk all the way up to sea level and working with you know, from startups to Fortune 500 companies. So you just really get this great um, exposure and intel on how companies operate. Um, but what was a little bit odd was that I started to really early on kind of get fixated on the platforms that we were using. So the applicant tracking systems and the job boards and other sourcing and matching tools. And, uh, it, you know, really started to uh get obsessed with this notion that there's got to be a better way to match talent with opportunity and candidates with jobs. And, uh, you know, everything that we were using is basing it on keywords that are embedded in resumes. And we're learning, um, you know, Boolean search strings. I, I literally went to boot camp. Uh, this is in 2008 with K-Force. I went to boot camp to train under the Boolean black belt, Glenn Cathy, who's a legend. <laughs> and it was awesome. I mean, I loved it, but I also felt like it's a little crazy that we're you know we're telling candidates to like take their skills and jumble it up into a resume and then we're going to try to find you and like don't tell us what kind of job you're looking for or like are you looking for contractor perm or what's your salary it's really a little crazy so um so I started working basically um, during the day I'd be recruiting and at night I would go home and really be kind of researching and trying to figure out like what is what is a better way to match and, you know, looking at the data. But also I, I really felt it's it has to be conversational, something where, um, you know, recruiters and candidates and have the systems to to engage over time as the candidate's circumstance changes. Um, and so. It was only actually in like 2018 where I realized um, I was playing around with, you know, every technology I could and I came across chatbots and it was like, oh, okay, it's a chatbot. You know, I really didn't understand (laughs) that that's that that it had anything to do with AI. Um, I was just kind of 
trying to figure it out. And then once I got that, so in 2018 um, is when I started actually ShellyBot, um, which was a company um, built around a chatbot that would match talent with jobs. And it's still something I'm working on, but it actually, over time, it evolved um, where initially I thought ShellyBot's the focus and I'm going to build it using the platforms available because there really are incredible platforms available, technical and non-technical users, um, but it's still a very fragmented space and um, each platform kind of has its own pluses and minuses. So in the end, we really ended up building our own chatbot platform. And that's when I launched uh, bots in 2020 was realizing that rather than building one chatbot, what I really want to do is build just these awesome custom scripted chatbots that come fully loaded for different companies. But I think that's kind of as backwards way to get there as you can. <laughs> that's so I, that is so amazing to hear about your journey of getting to start bots. That's such a <laughs> an interesting. I That's fascinating to me. Thank um, you. On on the note of bots, I want to know a little bit more how you've been able to differentiate bots in the legal tech market specifically. It's interesting. Um, I guess in terms of differentiation, I think that um, one thing to note is, so the way we have it set up is it's kind of a, a double-sided platform where on one hand, you can build your own bot. Um, and we really want to empower non-technical users to be able to come in and build a trap bot and be guided through the process, mostly by bots, but also by humans. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but on the other hand, we're really looking at it as custom-built bots, where I love the opportunity to sit down with a firm or a company and just really learn everything about their business and build them a bot that just I give them a snippet of code and the bot's up and it can talk to your brand, talk to your services. And now, thanks to our integration, literally, you know, accept payments, check your invoicing, answer your questions about your account. And, you know, and so that's all really exciting. Um, specifically with the legal vertical um, is that, you know, if I was to put together a wish list of, you know, target market and um, who, who I think it really works well for, what appeals to me about the legal um, vertical is that, I think that you do have firms that are a little bit taxed and a little bit stretched thin. Um, I'm, we're never looking for bots to come in and replace humans, Terminator 2 style. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I really think that there is a lot that can be handed off. And that really becomes the focus of, you know, not legal counsel, not giving, not giving um, legal advice, but being able to um, answer the repeated questions, the repeatable questions that you get all the time and being able to schedule appointments. And now with the integration, of course, being able to um, handle invoicing and answer questions about your invoices and accept payments. To me, that really makes the legal market really ripe for chatbots. Yeah. Can I just jump in? Like, I am super excited that we are partnering with bots. I mean, first of all, as a consumer, um, my husband can attest, like, I'm a huge fan of not having to pick up the phone and getting answers really quickly and easily. And, you know, I've seen it in the, you know, in the software space, we've been using bots as kind of like a way to engage with customers to help route them in the right way and get their answers quicker. Like we know that a lot of people do a lot of research online today. And I think chatbots are a really nice way to make it feel more personal. Um, and I just love the approach that bots has taken where they've really said like the top two pain points for small law firms are number one, finding new customers and number two, the administrative burden. And what would be more powerful than when someone hits your website, you're 
able to systematically answer those questions and then move them to the right person at the firm. And the fact that they've taken the time to really understand you know, how a law firm works, what are some of those questions, and then give them the kind of the low tech person, the power of that really innovative tool. I think it's just going to be hugely impactful to our clients. So personally, I'm, I'm just so excited that we were able to partner with them. And I think that philosophy of a vertical software partner is someone who is really understanding our market and then bringing the innovation to them in a way that actually solves some major pain points. That's such a good point, Drew. Yeah, we're definitely so excited, Karen, that LawPay gets to integrate with bots. Um, it's it's such an interesting platform that you guys have. Um, one more question for you, Karen, and then we'll we'll bounce over to Drew. But Karen, do you have any advice for firms considering adding a chatbot to their site or anything to consider for that process? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, first I would say not to be overwhelmed. It you know, it is a lot when you think about it. Um, it. It really is. Forget even the AI piece, even just the scripting piece is tremendous. And then when you add in the AI and building a knowledge base, um, which is why I believe, you know, like if you can work with an, a, a firm or an agency that can script it out for you. But even then, what I would say is really think about, you know, like I said, what are the questions? It's not even the frequently asked questions. It's you know, what are the questions that your users are asking every day and really start to think about that and then think about like, what else can you, what else can you possibly hand off to a chatbot? You know, is it scheduling meetings? Is it, I, I love it obviously for screening talent and keeping that relationship going. Um, but there's a lot more you can do. And so then I really start to get into um, thinking about what is your, what's your content? What data do you have? What content do you have? And, um, to me, I, I almost think of it as a data dump, like it's on us to make that content chattable, you know, but the more content you have, the better. I love it. You know, anything, whether it's blog posts or, um, you know, any of that um, internal company stuff that you can hand over to us, we can format it into chattable content. You've got it. You know, you put that work in to build that content. Um, it's really fun to think about, well, how would a chatbot, you know, they can direct you to the right page or build, bring up the right blog related to your career, or, or there's so much. Um, but yeah, I really think thinking about the content you have. And then the last thing I would say is just start, just put your chatbot up. Um, it doesn't need to be fully fleshed out. Even if you literally have a chatbot that says, welcome, how can we help you? And then is able to grab an agent or schedule a call and, you know, the basics the main thing is you're getting intel that you don't have right now, right? You, you're tracking what is your user asking for. I think that is that initial response is really tremendous. And that's what I love about the chatbots is I've never been able to see that kind of immediate feedback, immediate response. Where's the script missing the mark? What, you know, what didn't we think of? So talk about listening to your user. You have the transcripts, you have that data. And I think that becomes really valuable. And just keep in mind that chatbots grow more sophisticated over time. They know, they, they learn how to answer the questions better. So the sooner you have them up and interacting and learning, I would say the better. That's so amazing to hear. Uh, this is going to be such a game changer, I feel like, in the market. And it's it's awesome what you guys are doing. We'll make sure, uh, for listeners, we'll make sure to include all the notes about how you can schedule a demo, learn more about bots um, in, the, in the notes of the pod. Um, but now I want to go over to you, Drew, and ask you a few questions. Um, so as the new CEO of a company, I just want to know a little bit about what type of difference are you hoping, hoping to make amongst your employees and also aside from that in the payments market itself? 
Yeah. Well, look, I think, um, you know, I think there's a myth that as a CEO, you kind of come in and set culture. I think um, that's true over a long period of time. It takes seven years to change culture is the, the adage. Um, and so the reality is as a new CEO, it's as much um, kind of me earning the trust of the team, me finding um, a complementary culture. And so, you know, I'm I'm way more, first of all, I feel very at home at, at Finipay already, which I think is something that I feel so fortunate for. I, um, you know, when you're interviewing, it's kind of an odd process, right? You meet a lot of the people, but very few people who actually work at the company. Um, and obviously there's Glassdoor um, and, you know, there's other ways to try to, to see if it's going to be a fit. Obviously, I got to spend a ton of time with Amy Porter, our founder, who has kind of set the culture and the tone. So that was fantastic. But, you know, for me, it's really about, um, first and foremost, just already feeling so welcomed by this amazing team and the, the, the culture that's already been set. And then second of all, it's kind of, you know, what I've said to the team, and you've heard this, is you know, we're really starting a new chapter. So the company has been payments for 15 years. Um, we serve over 50,000 law firms. We process over 10 billion in payments volume every year, like just an amazing reach. But, you know, we've kind of earned the right to dream bigger, right? And um, we are a small but mighty team that serves so many clients in our industry and have earned the trust of our industry. So what else could we do for them, right? And kind of back to the pain points that we see in the market, you know, we know that at the end of the day, you know, the challenge that our attorneys face is they went into practice to serve clients, you know, and yet only about 60% of their time is actually spent serving clients. And then of the, the time that they actually invoice for, they only collect about 75% of those invoices. So when you look at it, there's about 50% leakage in terms of what lawyers are getting credit for and in terms of really being able to use their time to number one, serve their clients, and number two, build their business and their livelihood. And so I'm very excited with this team to kind of go down the path, kind of the innovator path that that Karen went down, which is like, what are these other pain points that we can solve? And, you know, what are the right partners that we can can work with similar to chatbots? Like we know top of the funnel is a huge challenge. We know administrative burns a huge challenge. But what are the other things that we can take on, whether that's some technology that we ourselves build or own, or it's technology that we partner with with um, folks like Karen to bring into um, our market. And so, look, I think that um, the amazing thing to me is my dad was a small attorney, had a solo practice. And so in some ways, a lot's changed and in some ways, not a lot's changed. Right. And I would love for us. And I think that over the next five years, we're going to see a lot of technology transformation. Right. The the ease of use, the ability for small firms to adopt and have it not be have that cost benefit analysis of should I put it in place? Will it actually solve problems or will it be too much of a burden? You know, should I keep using kind of pen and paper? Um you know, and I think that that cost benefit analysis is shifting towards a tipping point where more and more technology is going to be adopted. And I think, you know, we at LawPay can play a big role in helping our clients figure out what that tech stack looks like and in solving um, more of their pain points as they try to grow their business, as they try to build financial stability for themselves. So very excited to take on the new chapter with this amazing team. 
Well, I know I speak for all of us when I say we're so excited to have you, Drew. But more importantly, it's so interesting to hear how both bots and Affinipay are just really trying to solve problems for our lawyers in the legal space. It's so fascinating to see how we both found our own kind of ways of doing that. Um, and again, very excited about the LawPay Bots partnership. Late payments. Two words that make any company shudder. But did you know with some simple actions, you can help combat late payments and help your business thrive? Learn more from our podcast sponsor. Visit AmericanExpress.com slash business class for merchants to watch our video on how to combat late payments. So you guys are both female founders. You guys are both CEOs. You are both women in leadership. I'm dying to know from both of you. We can start with Drew and then we'll go over to Karen because I would love to hear both of y'all's answers on this. Are there any, is there a specific hardship that has come to mind or anything that you've had to overcome on your journey to becoming a woman in leadership position? Oh my gosh. Is this like a two hour, five day, is this a five day podcast? This, and it's is a five day, day podcast. <laughs> like, did you say, it's did I week. miss my wine shipment? It's a week long retreat. I forgot to tell you. Wait, and it's I know this for really. <laughs> I was right into your lead too. Yeah, I, I mean, know. You know, so like just to address it hard, you know, head on. Like, I think, um, I think no matter how successful you get as a female CEO, the reality is it is harder, right? And you do have to believe in yourself and you have to be even pickier about who you work with and who you trust and make sure that you're setting yourself up um, in the right way. You know, I think it's, you know, if I were to give people advice, it's, you know, find the right investor that really believes in you and is never saying, but are you going to be able to do it? you got pregnant. Like, how are you going to manage that? Right. Um, is this really a problem worth solving? It's only a woman problem, right? You know, there's all these things that you hear that you wish were just tropes. Um, and in reality, dad, dad, dad said he, we, Do you we guys, can you guys hear this or <laughs> dad said we don't have pop rats, but I found pop rats. Good job. Buddy. Best helmet hey, ever. <laughs> can you can you say hi at school? I'm, I'm recording a podcast, <laughs> so I'll mostly about helmets. So yes, <laughs> thank good news. He found the pop rocks that we hid. Good. <laughs> so I mean, look, and I don't I don't think that they're insurmountable. I think that you know, as a woman, I think um, look, we're incredibly capable of multitasking, juggling many things. Um, you know, we have oftentimes, um, you know, and obviously I don't want to be super gendered, but, you know, a lot of the women that I've worked with foster very collaborative environments, you know, really spend a lot of time um, thinking about like the emotional well-being of their teams, you know, and so I think um, we know that diversity really matters. Um, and I would just say align yourself with people who fundamentally believe in that and believe in you. Um, and that's been a big, big difference. I mean, and it's not just other women who, who take chances on women. You know, a lot of my opportunities have come from partnering with male mentors, sponsors. You know, the whole reason I was put into this process is the lead investor in Affinipay is Roy Burns from TA. And he had met me, thought I was interesting, compelling, and he actually put my name in the process, right? And so I think, um, 
you know, I think that it's absolutely doable. And if you feel a calling to be a woman leader, if you feel a calling to be a female founder, you know, it's we're, you know, we are following in the footsteps of many other women who have paved the way. Um, and I would say the best female leaders are very conscious to this day and age of trying to bring others along um, and, and help pave that pathway. So it's definitely doable. But I would also say, you know, just really pick who you trust and who you work with, because the nice thing is, unlike in the Mad Men era, we do have <laughs> options. Um, and so just be really thoughtful. And, you know, business is hard enough. You don't need to justify why you're the CEO, why you're the founder. You'd rather be working, worrying about the team, worrying about the client, worrying about building your business. So so great. That was amazing, Drew. Thank you for all of those words and for you know, that encouragement and everything that came within that. Um, Karen, I mean, same to you. Is there a specific hardship or anything that you've had to overcome being a female founder and CEO too? Um, I mean, honestly, I really, I really agree with what Drew was saying very, very strongly in terms of who you align yourself and really being careful about it. Um, I, I think it's on multiple levels. Um, and I think that part of it is also kind of choosing who you even take advice from and who you listen to because I, what I found is there are people who really um, really may be respected and know their stuff but they may take a really quick perfunctory look at your product and your pitch and they're very good at shutting it down and telling you you're you know you're off and that's their job and I get that um, and I would say, you know, what I've learned is you really have to kind of ask yourself, who am I listening to? Because you'll get exact opposite feedback on the same thing. You cannot take all the advice. And so I think along the same lines, though, it's really about, you know, really finding the right people. Um, do they know your product? Have they listened to your whole, you know, do they know it enough to say you're off base? There's times where that critique is needed, of course, but uh, I think you're going to get it a lot from times when it's people who really uh, it's easy for them to say, here's the holes, but they don't know, you know, they haven't even heard your whole pitch. Um, and yeah, really just finding those people who support, encourage what you're doing. Um, I totally agree. It's men, it's women, it's anyone who's willing to say, I'm open to new leaders who don't look and act and and live the same way as what I'm used to. I think that's really you know, I know it's changing and it's growing more progressive and we want women in leadership roles, but it's also, you know, our subconscious, you know, we're used to certain things and we don't even know that. And um, I think it's really, really seeking out um, uh, people who are open to it. You know, how many times I've been told, um, you know, don't make bots, don't make it pink. <laughs> and I don't even have strong feelings about pink, except every time I heard that, I was like, got to make it pink. <laughs> I got to really, I want to add unicorns because says who, you know, who says you can't wear pink to a meeting or you can't have a notebook with unicorns. And I, I just, I know it's silly, but it's also like, you know, why can't we have flair and why can't that flair be feminine? And, and can we have women who, you know, choose to wear something girly to work? Is that okay? You know? And I think it's just all of that. And, uh, and I think I've actually really, really lately, um, I think for a long time, I really developed under a rock uh, for a little bit <laughs> to make it happen. But now that I'm kind of 
coming out, <laughs> um, I've actually been loving um, some of these mom groups that I've joined. Um, not mom groups, but like um, Hey Mama and uh, Female Founders Club and... Um, are the others there's some really great ones dreamers and doers is another one um and it's so refreshing because it's so open it's like you can you can just talk about the issues you're having and it doesn't have to be you know you don't have to pretend you're this perfect entrepreneur who who doesn't have kids running in and out of the room i love that that's starting to open up a little bit um (laughs) so to speak i couldn't agree more and you know what karen you've inspired me to get a unicorn notebook yes (laughs) (laughs) it's time I think that's amazing Um, okay so my final question for both of you both of you are working moms I mean we saw Drew's Drew's son run in earlier Karen you told me that uh, right before this you had to drop your kids off you guys are working moms you guys are hustlers you both seem to have really mastered the work-life balance Um, and so we'll start with Drew on this one Drew I would love to just hear if you have any are there any specific strategies or things that you do to help manage your work-life balance? And then Karen, will we'll get the same answer from you too. Well, I mean, first of all, I am never in pursuit of perfection, yes. right? I think sometimes as women, we um, hold ourselves to impossibly high standards across the board, right? It's you know, it's work, it's kids, it's wife, it's, um, you know, working out and appearance, like just the bar is really, really high. And so knowing when to let things go and let balls drop and know that, you know, at the end of the day, it's more about keeping them alive and getting them off to college than it is about, um, you know, perfection. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, uh, and baking every cookie yourself or whatever it is. Um, so I think that's number one is just to, to, you know, we're oftentimes the hardest on ourselves, um, and to just not be so hard on ourselves. And then I think second is, you know, asking for and accepting help. Right. And, um, whether that takes the form of Uber Eats or a babysitter or telling your husband he needs to step it up. <laughs> I think we've all had that conversation, like, <laughs> need a little bit more. Okay. Um, like, just not being afraid to say, you know, it's it's not just my problem if, if things feel like their balls are dropping. It's like, it's actually okay to ask for help. And, and if anything, it's how much of a support system can you proactively build so that you do have time to kind of invest in these different spaces. And I guess last and and not least, I would say is kind of give yourself permission to take care of yourself and to take care of, for me, my marriage as well. Like that oftentimes is the foundation. And when I'm happy and feel grounded and balanced, I'm way more likely to not scream at my children and take it with a smile. And, you know, so I think it's like just finding time to do the stuff that fills you back up, whatever that looks like, even if it's like going to take a nap or getting a massage or being selfish, you know, it's not selfish. It's really for the best of, of everyone involved. That's so great. So Karen, same to you, same question. Do you have any strategies or things that you do to master your work-life balance as a working mom and CEO of a company? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I'd say I mastered it so much. I was just telling you about how I someday send my kids to school without shoes by accident. So I don't know if that's (laughs) mastering it, but I think I'm getting closer. (laughs) Um, I think it's really hard, honestly. I think... Honestly, I think there is a level of sacrifice in terms of not necessarily, you know, family versus work, but 
you can't, you know, something's got to give at some point. And, and I do think to start a family and to start a business, it's a tremendous amount of not only work, but focus. Um, I kind of think it, it really varies from person to person. And it also takes time to kind of figure out what that balance is. Um, you know, for me, when I was working a full-time job, um, and my, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't do nine to five with no flexibility and make it work at home. I really, I don't know how that works. It's very, very challenging. I don't know that you can necessarily balance it all. I mean, it's just kind of keeping it going, but, um, it's hard. I think it's really challenging. Well, thank you both so much for those answers. That was so incredibly insightful and interesting. Thank you both for joining me today. Uh, shout out to both Karen and Drew. You guys are amazing women and role models for everyone, women everywhere. Um, shout out to our sponsors to American Express. Make sure, listeners, you like and subscribe to Beyond the Payment in Apple Store, Google Play, or Spotify. We will catch you next time. Thank, thank you. you, Karen and Drew. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Beyond the Payment, brought to you by American Express. If you like what you listen to today, make sure you like and subscribe to Beyond the Payment wherever you listen to your pods. Thanks again for listening. I'm Keely Leonard. We'll catch you next time. Beyond the Payment is sponsored by American Express. Visit AmericanExpress.com slash business class for merchants for tips, trends, and tools to help your business thrive.